Good morning, Glad Tidings. How is everyone? Good. Do you love the hot weather? <laughs> well, I want to give you an update on our trip. Before I do that, though, uh, if we have youth and young adult uh, here in the audience, or you know of youth or young adults, invite them to the 320 Build Conference that we have coming up in two weeks. Uh, we have a guest speaker coming in. But really, we're trying to lay the foundation of something much bigger that impacts the city. So make sure they're a part of this. Make sure they have information. We have handouts. Uh, we have Facebook uh, groups. Just make sure that you guys as a church are spreading the word. Uh, and let's see what God wants to do. So I just want to thank you guys so much for your support of our Macedonia team. Um, it, it really was quite the undertaking two weeks uh, three countries, 19 people, eight teenagers. Uh, it was uh, it was a lot of work, and uh, but it was it was pretty incredible. An amazing group of kids, amazing group of young people, and um, we're really honored that you guys would support us and pray for us uh, and send us to do something in a nation that desperately needs Jesus Christ. Um, the the trip itself fit in between. Now there was a bombing at the airport that we, some of us were flying through in Istanbul on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. I can't remember now. Uh, and then as we were leaving, I don't know if you guys have heard of this, uh, there was an attempted coup of an overthrow of the military of the government. So tanks pulled up to the airport 12 hours after we left. And so everybody's going, oh, can I tell you something? Because, I mean, listen, we... we with the, the people on our, our team, we went to the parents and we said, we're flying through Istanbul. We know there, there's an inherent risk in any time you do international travel. Uh, but we, uh, your money that you provided when we were gone actually paid for the flights to send kids through Germany. So we really want to appreciate, uh, just say thank you for that. Uh, it gave uh, some of the parents uh, a little bit of peace. Uh, but God ordained the trip. He ordained the timing of the trip. He ordained our protection. We did not have, nobody lost a visa. Nobody got lost. There was one person who got sick. Uh, we didn't cause it. Uh, she, she had uh, a kidney stone and she had to be in the hospital for three days overseas. But um, other than that, other than that, that's a big deal. But other than that, it really was an amazing trip. And thank you guys for your prayers uh, and for your giving. Uh, I'll give you a, a, so I think this is really interesting too. And this is how I knew the Lord was with us. We were in the mall in Macedonia and there was a guy who walked by me wearing an Alabama football shirt. Thank you. I feel your presence. Um, we did, we, we traveled, um, in Greece, we were able to stand the very place that um, Paul spoke, Acts 17. He spoke to the, the Supreme Court of his day. 360-degree um, view of Athens. It was pretty incredible. So you can go back and read Acts 17 of what Paul was talking about. We were able to, to see you know, where he walked. Uh, in Athens, it was, it was just incredible. We saw a lot of great things. Um, let me give you an update of Europe because I, I really think that we have to have an understanding of what is taking place around the world as far as Big C Church. 
Um, I, I met with a number of people, and I've just begun to connect with uh, youth coordinators or, or youth supervisors. I can't remember what they call themselves. Ireland, 5% of the population in Ireland have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, I, I met the youth coordinator of France, and he's over 20 churches. And, you know, it is against the law for you to openly tell, uh, speak the gospel in France, but young people are going out onto the streets and they're praying for people and miracles are happening and the gospel is being shared. So that's really, really exciting. I met somebody who pastors in Switzerland and they are shutting down churches in Switzerland and turning them into museums. And if you're not careful, that's what can happen to you personally. Because a museum is all about what happened in the past, not as what is taking place right now. And so we need to pray for what is taking place in Europe. In Macedonia, there are 3,000 Protestant believers, believers who actually have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ out of 2 million. 3,000 out of 2 million. So you're talking about probably 1,000 more people than glad tidings in a nation of 2 million people. And so our outreach was designed just to come alongside the other churches. This is the first time other churches actually gathered together to, to tell the gospel in, in Skopje. So it was a really, really big deal. I can't, I can't come back and tell you a, a bunch of amazing, fantastic stories. Um, a farmer doesn't go and plant the seed and then go tell everybody how wonderful the planting the seed was, right? It's usually the harvest that you celebrate. But for me, as a pastor, it was very humbling to be able to take the sacrifice of an entire church to a nation and so into the kingdom. And so I was really, really humbled and honored to be able to get nothing. The Americans didn't come to save the day. We were able to come alongside the church, the big Z church in Macedonia, and support them. And so I ask that you guys would continue for the next year to pray for the church of Macedonia, uh, pray that the gospel would spread, that people would come to the saving faith and knowledge of Jesus Christ. So um, I don't know how you, you condense two weeks into 10 minutes, but I'm trying. Um, so if we're going to be a church, which is good news for all people, then, um, and especially the nations, we got to be willing to take the gospel to the nations. We can't expect the nations to come to us. And so there are people that are sitting in our pews and you have never thought of going overseas. You've never thought of giving uh, financially to missions overseas, or you've never thought of actually being a missionary. You need to start asking the question, God, what do you need? Your life will change if you actually begin to ask, God, what do you need? You'll find your purpose. You'll find what God created you for. And you will create great change in the kingdom of God. So I challenge you to ask that question. Um, I loved it. It was very difficult. We took care of the kids. We protected them. Um, and, and they just did amazing. I was really proud of our group. And I can't wait to, to see what happens in the future. So today we are talking about love covers, part of the love is series. And I want to talk to you about how love honors, it respects, and it covers. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Genesis nine verses 20 through 23. Genesis nine, 20 through 23. 
And let's read. Noah, a man of the soil, this is after the flood, a man of the soil proceeded to plant a vineyard. When he drank some of its wine, he became drunk and lay uncovered inside his tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw his father naked and told his two brothers outside. Let me tell you something. In my house, if I ever want to get time away from the kids, I just tell them, I'm going to be naked downstairs, kids. And they will totally leave me alone. So you can imagine what these brothers must be feeling here. But Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it across their shoulders. Then they walked in backward and covered their father's naked body. Their faces were turned the other way so that they would not see their father naked. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. There's such great insight and depth and truth. And God, I pray that you would speak to every heart, speak to every believer, speak to every person, God, about covering in Jesus' name. Amen. So there are three points that I want to talk to you guys today. I, I think it's really relevant uh, on multiple levels. Uh, and we'll start with number one. Number one, the willful pointing out and mocking of the naked. When we look at the scripture, Ham willfully and delightfully pointed out the failure of his dad. Now, if you look at the culture that we live in today, we have a culture that actively and on purpose is always pointing out the flaws of other people. Think about it. I want to make sure that as a church, if you are a believer, that you are not pointing out the sin of other people on purpose. Okay? And we're going to show why in just a minute. We live in a culture that loves to point out the faults of others. We see it in politics. We see it in every realm of entertainment. And now, especially Christianity. You have different denominations pointing out the failures of that denomination. We have pastors that will point out the flaws of people. We have people pointing out the flaws of pastors. There's just, everybody is pointing out what's wrong with everybody else. Instead of standing in front of the mirror and going, wow, I have some issues. Okay, I think it's a natural reaction when we've been hurt or when we've been let down or when somebody does us wrong to want to point out the flaws and the failures of other people. But what I am talking about today is what kind of spirit do you possess? What kind of spirit do you possess? Do you enjoy pointing out the sin, the frailties and the shortcomings and the errors of others? I'm talking about a person who looks for opportunities to point out the nakedness. Of others. And I'm not talking about covering sin. I'm not talking about covering abuse. I'm, I'm talking about a person that actively looks to point out what others are not. Personality flaws, issues, and they can't wait to tell somebody else about it. It's a spiritual issue. We all know these people. If I were to ask you right now, do you know somebody that is like that? And you may be this person, but guaranteed you have one or two or three people that would pop into your mind. This person is always talking about people. They're always pointing out what's wrong with everybody else. I see it in families. Husbands will do it with wives. Are there children? Wives will undercut their husbands. Talking to their girlfriends. Children will point out the flaws of their parents, everything they've done wrong, where they've made mistakes. I see it in the church. Um, I, I, I see it in people who have been offended or hurt by people in the church. They're always talking bad about the church. Can I tell you, honestly, in life, there is no place outside of a coffin in the ground that you won't be hurt or disappointed by somebody. 
And the church is no different. Okay. Um, uh, we, there, there are pastors that'll point out the flaws of the people. There are people that'll point out the flaws of the pastor. Can't wait to tell people what's wrong with the pastor. Can't wait to tell what the next juicy little bit of gossip that somebody in the church has heard about somebody else in the church. I see it a lot. Um, I have let people down. I have, I have hurt people, but it, it was never intentionally. It's just, we live in a fallen world and I'm a fallen person and I have let people down, but I've never intentionally tried to, to hurt anybody at any time. And I, I don't think anybody on our staff has either. Um, I have been, uh, one receiving it as well. Let, let me tell you this though. I, I need you to understand something as somebody who's been in ministry for a long time. I have pretty thick skin. So you say anything, it's not going to bother me. Uh, too much, but be careful that you judge something on the outside. If somebody leaves and you don't know why they left, be careful that, that you judge, uh, a decision without hearing the other side. There are tons of things as a pastor that we keep to ourselves that nobody else knows. And we do that because we cover the people. There have been people who have walked out of this church and they burned it down. And there are things that if we told what we knew, you would have had a different insight or take on what took place. And that's just part of our responsibility. So we cover people because that's the right thing to do. That's the biblical thing to do. I see it in business. I see it people undercutting their boss. I see bosses slamming or talking bad about their workers. Um, let me give you just, uh, th this is just uh, for me. And, and the way that I run our little ministry, um, if, if you gossip, you're gone. If you gossip, you're gone. If you talk any, about any of our people, if you talk about it, you know, uh, uh, the ministry team members, if you talk bad about our students, I want you off my team because the, the bottom line is if you'll talk about them, you're going to talk about everybody. And that's a cancer. Okay. There's a Matthew 18, the way that you handle biblical disagreements and you're supposed to go to the person and make it right. Okay. So if you, if you gossip or you talk, you're out. Um, I have got this in my notes too. I think this is really Im important as well. Um, positions and titles don't give you leadership. A lot of people think if I can, if I could just be a leader, you're a leader wherever you are. You don't need a position nor a title to be a leader. leader. Leadership is influence and you impact wherever you are in whatever realm you are, whatever step on the ladder you are. So you're either a leader or you're not. Okay, so a position or a title can't give you leadership. I just threw that in my notes. I don't even know if that fits here. I just want to say it. So um, people who uncover others are not about really getting to the truth. The spirit behind it is they really want to point out what people aren't. Okay? It's about the spirit inside of you. So uh, look at uh, Luke 9, 54 and 55. This is where Jesus warning take the gospel uh, to a small town or village. The people reject him and his disciples. First, I find it amazing that they believed they could call fire down from heaven. They actually believed it. Do you want me to call fire down from heaven? I find that amazing that they actually believe that. And they're, they're taking up for Jesus. They're offended, right? But here's what Jesus said. So uh, Luke 9, 54. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just as Elijah did? Verse 55. But he turned and rebuked them and said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, 
but to save them. And they went to another village. Jesus came to seek and save the lost, not destroy. How do you treat other people in your life? This is a huge issue. Because this is a spiritual issue. This is a hard issue. I think we can possess the spirit of a reformer. Somebody who can uh, bring change, create change, uh, whether that is in your home, whether that is in your church, whether that is in the environment that you work, or in your city without having to constantly expose what everybody is not. If you want to know what, what type of person you are, if you really have guts, ask the people around you. Am I critical? Am I negative? Do I expose people? If you don't have the guts to do that, look at your Facebook posts. Just go back and look at your history. Be honest. See, the, the greatest thing when I went overseas, we had so much time that we had to travel that all I could do was think. And God just began to reveal patterns of my life, things I needed to change, things I needed to do. It was actually awesome. So we had 60 hours of travel time. That's just on our end. That's not even the people who spent 20 hours of layover on one, one day in Germany. Take some time and really look at, at your life and go, God, am I critical? God, am, am I somebody who loves to expose people? Do I point out everybody's flaws and weaknesses? Because that's a hard issue. Okay? What spirit do you possess and are you like the son of Noah that loves to expose? Number two, love covers. We've been talking a lot about love and the different aspects of love and what it does, right? But this is the correct response. It says that two of the sons, Shem and Japheth, they backed in with a covering. They chose not to point it out. They chose not to focus on the deed, but the person. And very often, that's where we get things mixed up. They chose to treat the person with respect and honor, even though the person found themselves in a dishonorable position. And this is the position, if I'm being honest, that the church has tried to, uh, this church has always tried to take with people. To honor the person, even though their actions may be dishonorable. You will find yourself in a dishonorable position one day. I pray that it is not naked in a tent somewhere. But you will find yourselves because of your personality. Because of your pain. Because of your past. Because of something that it just comes out. And it's out there. And everybody sees it. And I pray that people will cover you. Rather than expose you. Because that is the heart of the gospel. Genesis 3, 8 through 10 and verse 21. We can go back to the very beginning to see God's heart about covering. It says, then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden. This is when Adam and Eve had sinned. Walking in the garden in the cool of the day and they hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Verse 21, also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. See, if you ever come to church and you expect God to, to destroy you or point you out, that is not why Jesus Christ died. 
He knows all along who you are and, and what's on the inside of you. That's why Jesus died. And the Bible says that Jesus' righteousness clothes you. And that's how he chooses to see you. Clothed, covered in what Christ has done. So I personally think God is asking the same question to the church about issues of the day, about race, about discrimination, and about being basically, for me, a, 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 culture, a, a cultural catalyst for change. Church, where are you? Where are you? Will you take the stand that you need to on the issues that are the most pressing and most important to the heart of God, but also to the world? We have a great illustration of a video of what happens when love chooses to cover. Go ahead and show that. I wasn't raised in a Christian home. Things were never really good with my dad. He wasn't really around. Senior year, I really started to resent him of high school. Um, I, I fought with him all the time, and things weren't very good. Kind of lost hope in my dad. And so I told myself I wasn't ever going to look back. I was never going to talk to him again. And then I started going to church here. I was saved when I was 19, freshman year of college. God wanted me to forgive my dad. And I was like, how can I do that? You know, after everything he's done, how can I do that? God was like, you need to forgive him. So I forgave him in my heart, and I kind of moved on. Sometime later, God was like, well, you need to respect him too. I was like, I can't, I can't respect this guy. He's so mean to me, you know, but I started to respect him and we stopped fighting. And uh, every week I would come home and we'd fight and I started respecting him and the fighting disappeared and we started getting along. God later was like, well, now you need a relationship with him. And I was like, God, I've never talked to him. You know, I hadn't ever had a conversation with my dad. I've never really spoken to him about anything more than a paragraph long. And God was like, I need you to start a relationship with him if you're serious about forgiving him. Now we have a relationship and I've been talking to him more every week and things are getting better. I've seen how God has softened his heart. I have hope now that he could be saved and that I could play a good role in that. So I'm really hopeful for the future. JD is an amazing kid. He works with uh, our junior hires and our youth department and we're really blessed to have him apart. But do you see what happens? He could have chosen... To be critical, he could have chosen, and almost rightfully so, if his dad had been mean to him for how many years or all his life, but he chose to do what God asked and to begin to cover with love that man's decisions and his, his hatred and his meanness, and it began to change him. And that's what love will do. So que the, the question remains, has, uh, husbands, are you loving your wife, your family? Are you building them up? Or are you tearing them down? Do you cover with your authority, with your strength, with your love, with your kindness? Wives, are you respecting your husbands? And I can ask you the same question about your kids. Are you undercutting them to their face? Are you undercutting them to, to people that you talk to? Sons and daughters, are you loving, respecting, and honoring your parents? They are flawed. They're going to make mistakes. You will too. But do you honor your parents? Do you cover what they're not. Workers, are you honoring your boss? Co-workers, are you honor, honoring your boss and your co-workers? Bosses, can I ask you a question? Are you being a jerk? Every level of leadership has a higher responsibility 
Are you covering the people that are underneath you? Christians, are you really being a Christian in a culture that looks to uncover and point out and pick sides? Are you choosing to be Christ in a fallen world? Uh, I have something that I call the lost decade. And for many of you, you may not know this, but I spent about 10 years with thyroid disease and uh, it was pretty severe. When Dr. Dada diagnosed me, he told me it's the highest that he ever saw in his personal practice. And so normal for those of, those of you who are thyroid, have thyroid issues, you know that uh, the, the gauge is 0.3 to 3 or 0.5 to 5. That is the normal accepted range. And when I was diagnosed, I was over 400. And so I, I had um, I'd gained about 30 pounds. I'd sleep 12 hours a day and still wake up dead tired. I'd lost the, the ability to use my hands, finite control. I was depressed. I was irrational. I was afraid. Um, uh, my, my family was affected because of my outburst. Pastor had to, had to help me just process and walk through. I was not always a great team player. I was not always, uh, just didn't, I was irrational. Just was. And, and you know, pastor probably could have got rid of me. My wife definitely could have got rid of me. Um, but they chose to cover me. And about a, a year and a half ago, I was able to get the right, I went to a doctor, was able to get the right um, dosage that I didn't go into hyper, hyperthyroidism or hypothyroidism. Um, and I was able to have a balance and actually could think for the first time in years, process, actually plan and strategically do things. And uh, I, I needed people to cover me though, because I, it, it was so, I, I, I pray that God can, can help restore the, the years that were lost is all I will say about that. And so all around you are the opportunities for you to cover people, um, whether they're saved or not, whether you know them or not, whether they're fa uh, family or friends or not, as Christians were called to cover. And point number three, and this is uh, really an indirect point that, um, that I can see that possibly could have taken place in Scripture. I know that it place, uh, takes place today. It is an option that I think many choose to take, especially if it is not correlated to our side, okay, to what we believe, what we think, what we stand for. It is uh, to do nothing. It is to hear about an issue. It is to see a problem, to recognize the issue and do nothing about it, to neither cover or help. People usually do this by taking a side and standing on a side. And we see a great picture of this with Joshua. Joshua is standing before the promised land and he is about to enter. The angel of the Lord stands before him, which is Christ, uh, before he was revealed in the New Testament. And so um, Joshua goes, are you for us? Or are you against us? And the angel of the Lord says, no. Because basically he was his own side. Right? How many know that, that God's not on our side? We're on his side. Hopefully. Everybody wants God on their side. But you got to ask the question, are we on his side? And the fact of the matter is the way the church, big C church, has handled the treatment of African Americans through the years has been pretty shameful. 
We have a tendency to justify individual actions at the expense of seeing the larger picture. And I, I was really trying to, to get a word picture for this. And the, and the Lord just prompted me, whenever we see a storm front move in, you can, you can focus on the individual clouds that may not be carrying rain. And they don't look like anything's really happening. But in the context, there is a huge storm front that is pushing wind and, and rain and hail and all of that stuff. Can I tell you, African Americans for centuries have grown up in a racist country that has treated them poorly. And I can say this because I grew up in Alabama. Proud member of Alabama. Can I tell you, I am so ashamed of the place that I came from. Dogs were sicked on people of color. White colors for bathrooms and eating and drinking fountains. That makes me throw up. Think about about that for a second. Think about it. Churches were bombed. People of color, they used uh, high pressure water on them. A white man stood in the doorway of an institution of education and told him he would not let them pass. Oh my gosh. Let me tell you something. If I would have been black, I would have created a movement back then. And that's not including the lynchings. That's not including the bigotry. That's not including... um, the overwhelming hatred. And I, what, are you, what are we supposed to say? Get over it? That's what we want to do because that's easy. There's a picture in Scripture, again, of Jesus and how He handled certain things in culture. That went against the culture. And the woman called in adultery is not a perfect example. I am not correlating the Black Lives Movement. I'm not correlating African Americans to the woman called in adultery. What I'm trying to get you to recognize is what culture demands. Jesus stood in opposition because he was about relationship. At that time, that woman that was brought out could have been stoned and killed. And yet Jesus stood... For relationship with her. We as the church have a responsibility. Not just an an opportunity to shift race relations. And be honest about what is taking place in America. When we choose a side over people. When it matters we will not cover them the way the Bible expects. And I see it all the time. I see it in politics. I see it in in what people believe. They'll pick a side at the expense of the relationship. But Jesus and God is all about relationships. And we'll choose uh, a side rather than the right thing to do. Throughout the Bible, God has a history of covering. Adam and Eve, the woman caught um, in adultery. the, The prodigal. 
who comes home and, and the father places the robe around him. There are Christians who are sacrificing relationships and biblical accountability to be on a side. And it's wrong. There is wrong on both sides of any issue because as long as a person is involved with any issue, there's going to be sin and there's going to be wrong. There are extremes on the issues of race on both sides or any side. To stand and believe that you don't have issues in, on your side is wrong. There is always an, ex an extreme to everything. So you're going to have extremes on, on the black side. You're going to have extremes on the white side. You're going to have extremes on the brown side. You're going to have extremes on any other color or any other nationality. It's just the way that it is. But as a Christian, anybody ever heard of Westboro Baptist? How many want to be identified with Westboro Baptist? That's what we do. We pick a side and we go, well, that's what they're like. Do you know how the Black Lives Movement started? Mothers said, I don't want my sons to die anymore. Christian mothers. I'm just telling you, if this stuff would have happened to my family, if this would have happened to my people, if this would have happened to anybody, my friends, you doggone right. I'd be the first one creating a movement. Racism and its effects, it's our issue, church. Not theirs. And by theirs, I mean whatever side you have chosen to be on. There is only one side, and it is Christ. And every other justification or excuse must bow its knee to this premise. So my biggest issue at this time is the, the big C church. The gospel demands that we get involved because God is about people. God is the side we choose. He didn't promise neat and he didn't promise clean and he didn't promise easy. And he didn't even promise that we're all going to agree. But the church better agree to stand with our brothers and sisters today in this. And I know it's complicated, but superficial Christianity is not effective. Segregated Christianity is wrong. And I don't feel the need to win any political argument because I know what the Bible tells me what I need to do. The church should be leading the way in our culture because of the love that we have for one another. That's our responsibility. And my question, church, is whose side are you on? I see your Facebook post. Scripture, Matthew 6, 12 says this. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Proverbs seventeen seventeen, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. Galatians 6, 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear means to get up under and carry. Second Corinthians 1, 4, 
talking about, about God who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8 says this, Love suffers long and it is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. We're at a crossroads as a nation. We're at a crossroads spiritually as a church. I still remember the, the message pastor talked about in, uh, when Jews were being sent to Auschwitz and, and some other places. And the church would be singing as the rail cars would come by. And they would try to sing louder to deny the reality of they weren't standing up for the Jews. And they would hear the screams, but they would pretend like nothing was happening. Well, I don't have to say anything, do I? Not really. You see it. I need to, I need to do this. And uh, I need for those that have been... Affected, negatively impacted by racial hatred. Now, normally we leave that to people of color, but there are instances where maybe that was on the other side. But if you have been negatively affected by racial hatred, I want you to stand. Negatively impacted by, stand. Take a look around at these are people. They're people. They're not sides. They're people made in the image of God. Multiply this thousands, if not millions. What are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? We're not talking about words. We're talking about abuse. We're talking about hatred. Church, that's our responsibility. They're our people. They're our issues. I want everybody to stand because I, I want us to take a moment. I want you to pray for the people around you. I want you to ask them their name. I want you to pray healing over their hearts. I want you to ask God to bring restoration to them. At this time, Father, I just ask right now for the people that have been impacted negatively by race relations, God, that you would begin to bring healing to their life, God, that you would bring awareness to our church members, to us, God, that you would awaken our hearts to our call. God, to restore and to bring reconciliation between races. I pray, God, that you would heal right now in Jesus name. Restoration in Jesus name. God, do your work right now. 
Healing in Jesus' name. Healing in Jesus' name. I pray there would be such a great awakening taking place in Omaha, Nebraska, God. I pray, God, that we would be leading the way to change our culture and our community, God, based on love. I pray that you would teach us to cover, God. I pray that you would teach us to choose relationships rather than sides, God. Walk us through. Give us wisdom, God. Help us to be honest. Help us to have courage. Help us to have boldness, God. And let the church lead the way. In Jesus' name, amen. I love our church. So that was the easy part. Let's be honest. But we need to start having some conversations with one another. We need to talk. We we need to listen at what is taking place. It has been prophesied, and this is going on back many years, that race wars are coming. They are. And the only hope is Christ. The only hope is a love that covers. It, a love that changes hearts. And it, listen, you can't look across the aisle. You've got to look in the mirror. You've got to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts first, my heart first. Am I living the gospel? And if not, then I have to change. Going to ask our prayer team to come forward at this time. If you need prayer this morning, healing, then then come come to the altar. I want you to go home. I want you to think about the message. I want you to go to your small groups. I want you to create the discussions. I want you to look. Am I a critical person? Do I point out the flaws in everybody? Or am I a person who covers? But absolutely in no place is there a place where we can do nothing. We all have a responsibility to live the gospel and to love people. Father, I thank you for the men and women in this room. And I pray, God, that you are doing a supernatural work in the hearts of every person, God. And that you would make it clear what our responsibility is in this world and in this life with people. All races, all ages, all cultures. And I pray, God, that the church, through Christ would be the answer and the hope of the world. We bless you. We thank you in Jesus' name.